Hello. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the evening of edition of our the, awesome uh, podcast. special pajama edition. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm looking at the camera right now. Cannot see. It's like a Zoom meeting. David is wearing his pajamas right yeah. now. I had a shower. It's <laughs> getting close to bedtime. And then we're like, wait, I'm not leaving the house for the rest of the day. <laughs> it's pajama time. It's pajama time. Welcome to the closet on a Saturday night in the pajamas. Follow us for more fun date night ideas. <laughs> so it's the weekend after the Open. Yes. 2023, the Open is done. Thinking, reflecting on the last three weeks. Yeah. I thought it was great. Yeah. Long overdue, that kind of like big fun community event. The last couple of years, the COVID stuff and the lockdowns, everything's just been so shitty. Yeah. That I was really... Happy with how many people came out and participated and tried hard and hung around and had a beverage after and yep. cheered for their friends and helped with judging and everything. It was like awesome. So yeah, it was great. It was like old school open stuff. Yeah. And that's that's what makes CrossFit fun. Yeah. You know, and that's what keeps you coming back. It's that community kind of stuff. So big kudos to all the people that came and cheered and did it and participated yep. and judged and all that. Big yep. love to all you guys. Yeah, it was great. I thought the programming this year was awesome. Yeah. This was the first year that Adrian Bosman had done the programming for the Open. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. His last year. Dude. Things got a little weird. <laughs> Things got a little weird. Dave yeah. got fired after the Open workouts were already programmed and filmed and everything. Right. So they went ahead with Dave's workouts yeah. last year. Yeah, I thought they were they were really good. He did a great job of making them inclusive, mm -hmm. but challenging. And you really had to earn your way to those sort of like catastrophically difficult things that most people struggle with where previous years they were like right out of the gate. Yeah. You can't do muscle ups. Too bad you're doing scaled. So I thought it was a, a really good mix of challenging the elite and still making it fun and, you know, a good push for everybody. Mm -hmm. There's actually a lot of variables to figure out when programming an open workout. Like it's yeah. a difficult thing to do. So you have to have... Space and equipment considerations for the affiliates that will be putting on the workout. You can't have anything too elaborate or space consuming. They have to be good tests to separate the fittest from everybody else. Yeah. If all the top 200 people are going to have the same score because there's just a, a top level of how fast people can move, that's not a good test. It yeah. has to separate people. It can't be so hard and so unsafe that the rest of us can't participate, though. So it has to be, like you said, inclusive to lots of people. Yeah. You know. There has to be a good mix between the three weeks and testing all the different parameters of fitness. There's like a lot of balls in the air to do a well-programmed workout. And I thought Boz did awesome. Yeah. I really, I dislike when a, a workout comes out where the top 50 people are just random nobodies from around the world that just happen to be really good at like burpees and, you know, something. Or, yeah. Where yeah. they're just like really good at that one thing. Because mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's great. Like it's good for you for being good at burpees. But when, you know, some random dude from some random country beats like all of the CrossFit games people. It's like, well, is that the best test? Probably not, you know? Yeah. The goal is like trying to test a balance of things each week mm -hmm. so that it's not just, are you really good at one thing? It's like how, you know, overall fit are you? Yeah. So I, I would say the programming was great. It really separated <laughs> the fittest from the rest of us, I would yeah. say. And had something for everyone to have a win. There's lots of great moments and everyone yeah. to participate to a certain level and get their challenge. But I would say everyone had a weakness exposed yeah. <laughs> in one of those three weeks. Very, very well done, Buzz. Yeah. Everyone faced something. They were like, ah, shit, yeah. I'm not good at that. Yeah. And it, 
it might have been just like, oh, I wasn't fit enough to get to the thing I really want us to do. Mm-hmm. It might have been a weight or a movement that just stopped you in your tracks. And you're like, well, the end of this workout for me. But everybody definitely had one of those eye-opening moments. Yeah. And honestly, like, that's what CrossFit is supposed to be all about. You know, mm-hmm. we do enough stuff that you will never just be done. You yeah. will <laughs> always be working on something because yeah. you can always get better at something. Yeah. So... It was really good. Yeah, it was really good all around. Mm -hmm. So the open is a test. And we really try to avoid using the word workout during Mm -hmm. the open. It's an open workout. It's not a workout. It's a test. Yeah. There's a difference between a workout you do every day in the gym and a test. Test a few times a year. And at some point in the last three weeks, I would say all of us found something where we felt like we failed the test. Sure. Which is fine. Or maybe we didn't do as well on the test as we would have liked. Yeah. So now you're reflecting and you're thinking ahead to the open for 2024 and you're like, I would like to do better on the test. I would like to not fail at that piece or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so the the rest of what we want to talk about is like how to study for the test yeah. in the next year. So between now and March or February of 2024. Yeah. What can you do? Yeah. I think going into this, the the best and the worst thing about CrossFit is you don't get the same test next year. Yeah. Right. So even if you did everything that you can to like fix whatever went wrong in this year's open, Mm -hmm. something else is going to come up next year. Yeah. So studying for the test is not just repeating and retrying and Mm -hmm. doing over again. You know, let's say the snatches, for example, are what stopped you. And you got through the 135, 95, but that third bar was just too heavy. You couldn't get it over your head even once. The answer to that is not just put 185 pounds on a barbell and just try to lift it <laughs> over and over and over again for the next year. Yeah, You need to figure out, okay, what's the problem here? What am I missing that made it that I cannot lift mm-hmm. this bar over my head? And you need to start attacking that weakness. Yeah. If I failed the LSAT, if I wanted to get into law school, I don't study by just continuing to sign up and keep writing the LSAT. That's not helpful. You go study, right? So I think whatever was the one thing, you can't focus on that in isolation. Mm -hmm. So you can't put the rest of your training aside to be like, I'm going to do nothing but work on ring muscle ups or squat snatches or, you know, my rowing technique or whatever. And then you get better at that one thing, but nine other things get worse and the open comes up next year and maybe there's rowing or squat snatches or ring muscle ups or maybe there even isn't, but maybe it's one piece of an overall test that's one test out of three weeks or four tested events like we had this time. Yeah. You know, you might end up spending so much effort on one thing that really has very little payoff. For sure. So you can't just focus on one thing at the exclusion of everything else. And as an average CrossFitter, like we all are, you know, we're kind of like relatively bad at everything <laughs> when you compare us to the elites. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the good thing about being an elite level CrossFitter is that it doesn't matter what the test is. You're yeah. prepared because you have an elite level of fitness. Yeah. So for us regular Joes that this isn't our full-time job, we're kind of bad at everything. Yeah. You know, we've probably got some things a little bit stronger, a little bit weaker, but mm-hmm. generally we're bad at everything. So if you just say, okay, well, you know, I struggled with that heavy barbell, so I just need to get stronger. And then you like put an extra 15 pounds of body mass on and you like lift super heavy all the time. It's like, great. Now your pull-ups are your weakness, mm-hmm. right? It's like you've, you've I've been that yeah. person. <laughs> I've tried it too. <laughs> Gallon of milk a day, baby. Yeah. I got super heavy. I got a little bit stronger and I got a lot slower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like you kind of have to 
still do all the things. Mm -hmm. You can't just be like, well, I need to get stronger. So I'm, I'm just going to go through this big strength program and I'm just going to get stronger. Yes. You'll get stronger for sure, but Mm -hmm. you're going to get slower and you're going to get worse at body weight stuff. Your overall fitness, your work capacity across broad time and modal domains will overall decline if you tilt one end of the curve too far one direction. So, um, and that being said, because realistically, all of our things are weaknesses relative to like mm-hmm. the Velmers and stuff of the world. Yeah. It's not until you get to that elite level where you're like, okay, like I am the strongest deadlifter out of all of the CrossFitters. Yeah. So it's not that I never have to deadlift ever again. It's just that doesn't have to be a main focus. I still need to do it to stay steady with it, mm-hmm. but I need to focus more on muscle ups because that's what was my biggest weakness at the CrossFit Games or whatever. So at an elite level, you can start to like really start to like tweak things and specialize things a little bit mm-hmm. better. But as far as the average CrossFitter goes, you just need to do CrossFit. Yeah. So let's be clear that in the course of this conversation, we're not talking about yes. elite level performance for games athletes. We're talking about normal people, cool people like us that just want to come in. You yeah. want to be class fit. You're not doing this as your full time job, but you want to be good at your hobby. You want to do well. You want to pursue your own genetic potential, not necessarily like a position on the leaderboard, like external validation. You just want to feel good and satisfied in your own body with your progress and like you're being the best version of you yeah. that you can be. Yes. Yep. Mal O'Brien, you keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> We're not talking directly to you. Yeah. This is for us regular, us regular normies. Folks, normies, the, the cool fit normies. <laughs> okay. So you can't focus on only one thing, Yeah, but you do have to do the thing. So it's like, like, Hey, Jocelyn, what the hell? You're saying the opposite. Yeah. Say the toes to bar came up 23.1. You did the row and then it had 50 toes to bar. Maybe that took you nine out of your 14 minutes and you were like, ah, dang it. I'm not yeah. very good at toes to bar. If every other time the toes to bar come up in a workout, you scale them to knee raises or leg raises, guess what kind of toes to bar you're going to have yeah. next year? The same, mm. <laughs> right? You have to do toes to bar. You have to do the harder version. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily mean nothing but toes to bar so that now you do them, but you're so slow that you it's the overall intensity of your training. Yeah. Yeah. So let's say we're doing a workout in a random class and it's five rounds of something and each round has 15 toes to bar. Mm-hmm. It's not that in that workout you just say, okay, I need to work on my toes to bars. I'm just going to do all the toes to bars mm-hmm. and just one at a time, slowly chipping away. You're doing one toe to bar and then a rest and then one toe to bar and then a rest because you have zero intensity on that workout. Mm-hmm. And that type of st- thing is not going to work in the open, right? Yeah. You, you can't just get through 50 toes to bar. You have to do that quickly. So yes, you need to work on that movement. You need to attack it, but you still need to have a level of intensity that allows you to get better at that movement. Mm-hmm. So let's say it's five rounds of 15. Maybe if you can link if, or 10 on your first round, you try to do your first and rec- second round, you do 10 reps, full range of motion. And then the next five are partial range of motion. Mm-hmm. And then you know you're going to start slowing down a whole bunch on round three, four, five. And so maybe you just go for five out of the 15 and you mm-hmm. keep the intensity up, but you're still working on those movements. You mm-hmm. know, I think a big mistake that a lot of people make is they say, okay, I'll just do the first round. I'm, I'll do the first round full thing and then I'll go knee raise after that. So well, you're only tired in that third, fourth, and fifth round. Yeah. Right? So that's when you need to also be working on it when mm-hmm. you're fatigued, but you have to have a level of intensity. Yeah. And so it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like, I am RXing this workout or I'm scaling this workout and there's no in between. You can absolutely do a hybrid on the volume. For sure. And then I usually try to tell people, especially with Toast Bar in particular, if we're doing a workout that say it's maybe only five every round, that day I'll probably say, I want you to fight out 
the full toast bar if you possibly can, because you're just not going to get stuck there for that long doing yeah. five. And then another day, a week later, maybe it sets a 15 or 20 or 25. And I go, today, I want you to work on the rhythm. Yeah. And I want you to just keep, I want you to fight out the rhythm no matter what. Don't worry so much about the height because you need both of those skills. You need the strength to get your legs up and you need the timing to be able to link them at speed, like you said. But And we have to work on both. So you can attack a skill from multiple angles. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that every single time I scale it the exact same way. In fact, I think you would make better progress if you try to attack it and scale things from multiple yeah, different angles. Absolutely. And to add to that, just because you're reducing the range of motion doesn't mean you go to like full easy mode where you can go 25 unbroken, yeah. right? If you can bang out 25 knee raise in a row, those are lo no longer benefiting you at all. You've graduated to the next yes. level. So now it's okay. Now we're going to go heels above the hips or we're going to go like toes as high as the eyes or whatever. Because if you watch an RX athlete, they're going to have to break some sets up. They're going to end up doing, you know, maybe 25 in a row in their first round. And then the next round's 15 and 10. And then from there at 10, five, 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 five with quick breaks. Yeah. If you're just banging out three rounds of 25, you're not challenging yourself anymore. Mm -hmm. So even though you're working on rhythm and you're shooting for bigger sets with a reduced range of motion, you're still going to challenge yourself with that range of motion. Mm -hmm. So I think if we kind of looked at the the three main areas where people might feel like they got exposed or they found a weakness or failed the test, if mm -hmm. we want to call it that. I think there's like some raw strength stuff, like strict handstand pushups. Yeah. You need you just have to be strong enough to press your body weight in a partial range of motion from the top of your head. Yeah. I think there's some skill things. So that would be like your ring muscle ups, those heavy squat snatches, some of those skilled maybe double unders. Yeah. And then there's the straight up conditioning, like your work capacity. That was probably like the the shuttle run and burpee pull up one where you're like, I just needed to be able to try harder for longer. I needed sure. to be able to tolerate being more out of breath. Or maybe yeah. it's the row and 23.1 that had the row and the toast bar and the wall balls and the basically doing 30 power clean. So it was like a half grace kind of thing. So you needed to have a high level of work capacity. So wherever you feel like is the the thing for you that got exposed, your raw strength, your skill work, your conditioning. I think there's a different mental side of what needs to happen to fix that weakness between now and a year from now. Mm -hmm. There's a great quote on CrossFit.com right now. I have to look it up. And I think the important thing to remember is that on all three of these things, we're talking mental as much or more than physical. Yeah. Okay. So not only does CrossFit make people fit, but arguably we make them fitter faster and more safely than any other program out there. Oh, it went away. I'm back. Our results are universal, predictable, and repeatable. So your results a year from now are pretty predictable based on how you want to attack your training. So if raw strength was your weakness that you feel like you need to work on, hmm. maybe one particular body part or maybe just overall, you're like, I just need to get stronger. You make progress through intensity. Yeah. We talk about that lots. Intensity, the independent variable most commonly associated with increasing the rate of return of favorable adaptation. That's the big mouthful from the CrossFit manual. Yeah. It's the independent variable. It's the thing. Intensity is the thing. Most commonly associated with increasing the rate of return. So getting you what you want out of exercise faster. Most commonly associated with increasing the rate of return of favorable adaptation of what you want. So in this case, if we're saying I want to get stronger, how do we apply intensity properly to strength training? Yeah. So. First of all, we have to earn our intensity. Yeah. Right. Mechanics, consistency, intensity. Mm -hmm. If your mechanics fits charter for safety. Yes. So if your mechanics are hot garbage, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
you've got some work to do before you even get to the intensity, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, always all these movements, whether it's a, a strength movement, if you are moving the best possible way, you're going to be the most efficient. You're going to lift the most weight. If it's a technical thing, like a muscle up, and you have no idea what you're doing as you fling yourself up on those rings, you're not going to get over the rings. Mm-hmm. Or you're, you're going to hurt yourself in the yeah, <laughs> If you're doing conditioning and you're being super inefficient, you're going to be slower and more fatigued due to that inefficiency because mm-hmm. good mechanics are also the most efficient way to move. Yeah. So first of all, we need to address the mechanics. Yeah. Now, a lot of people get hung up and they're like, okay, well, I'm not very good at snatches, so I'm going to work on my form. That's great. Yeah. But... If two years later, you're still using the same 35 pounds and you're quote unquote working on your form, it's like, well, what have you been doing this whole time? Yeah. You know, like at some point you need to be like, you know, aware, okay, I'm today I'm working on my speed under the bar and you know, next time I'm working on my like height of my pull and whatever. Yeah. There needs to be some sort of like thought process to it. Yeah. And then you need to start, you know, dialing it up a little bit because yeah. if you just use this, if your Fran weight has been the same weight for the last you know, three or four years, like you've probably graduated to a bigger weight by now and you're just not actually like going for it. Yeah. So. Okay. So let's talk about like strength specifically, raw strength. There are 10 generally recognized physiological adaptations from exercise. Strength and cardio are usually the two that people can name off the top of their heads. Strength is a, an adaptation that happens in the body, Mm -hmm. physiological adaptation, and it happens through training. There needs to be a stimulus that causes a measurable change. I could do a muscle biopsy and I would see a difference in your muscle fibers. There would be more of them. There would be, you know, denser fiber, blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. We're going to see a, a microscopic measurable change. So if we need to get stronger, there's certainly a mental state required to push the level that you need to push to cause your body to have an adaptation. Yeah. You have to stress the system in order for it to feel like it needs to adapt yeah. and get stronger to handle it the next time. So the mental side of the intensity required for strength training is something that takes some getting used to. It takes mm-hmm. some learning. Yeah, Atlas and I have been having this discussion quite a bit lately about like mentally how you attack a heavy strength day, a true heavy day. Yeah, I've had people... This isn't a criticism. This is just when people are totally unaware of of how to fully recruit all their muscle fibers. Doing a day four foundation, we always do a, a one rep max. Like we test a heavy with good technique, back squat, press and deadlift. Yeah. And I've had people in the middle of in the middle of the back squat be turn and look at me and be like, I think this is my max as they're squatting. I'm like, you have no clue yeah. what a max effort truly looks like. Yeah. I did one back squatting with Atlas the other day, one of the doubles, that second rep, uh, there was yelling. There was, it was like I was giving birth and having an aneurysm at the same time. It took me a full 15 painful seconds to grind it out and stand it up. There's a vein popping out of my forehead. My legs are quivering. It's to get to that full neural drive of recruiting every muscle fiber in your body. Yeah. Starts in the brain. It starts with a mental state first. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll liken this to Ian McLean, who, <laughs> by the way, for anybody that hasn't heard, he's currently sitting in 15th in the world in his master's category, which is crazy. It is crazy. So Ian is very much a game day performer. So good. Right? His mental game is very, very good. When we were doing the max thruster, mm-hmm. you know, he it was a pretty good lift for him. You could see the like 
adrenaline and the like mental push just flowing through him. Mm -hmm. You know, he was like getting himself amped up and he was breathing like a crazy person. He was like pacing and there was like a caged animal just mm -hmm. like waiting to get out. You know, he was amping himself up to this level of intensity that few of us can understand. Mm -hmm. And he hit the lift and he throws the bar and he gives the big Ric Flair. Woo! And it was like, it all just exploded out of him, right? It was this yeah. like massive surge of just like adrenaline and whatever, just escaping, right? Yeah. And like, like that is a maximum intensity effort. So sure, game day, a lot of people can maybe get close to that or even hit that. But in training, how do you do that? You know, it's, it's a difficult thing to do. Yeah. But if you can just, let's say we're back squatting. If you can just put the bar on your shoulders and back up and do three real quick reps and then rack it up and be like, wow, that was heavy. That was not that fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a heavy day. So like, when I do, I like lifting heavy weight. Yeah. I, I, even though I'm not like super strong, I enjoy the process yeah. and I have my whole little thing where I like, you know, breathe funny and I like hit my chest on the bar and I get myself amped up and I like put the bar on, I like have whatever, five big breaths and they're like, and I'm like grunting and growling and just yeah. like pushing through a difficult thing. And it's hilariously embarrassing <laughs> for an outsider looking in to see this like, like bigger shaved orangutan just like <laughs> grunting and groaning and like moving this weight around, yeah. right? But that's what it takes for me to like mentally get myself behind like pushing a super heavy mm. weight. So <laughs> it doesn't mean that you have to grunt or growl or whatever, but there needs to be some level of like mental effort going into this lift being like this is gonna be fucking heavy and i'm gonna grind through it i'm gonna get this and you're like amping yourself up you know yeah. and you kind of like we're in the tree of trust together you guys totally. we've all been training together for long enough by now that like you can be the shaved gorilla and make crazy noises like it's fine and if anything maybe it's a little inspiring to the people around you i yeah. fully remember having you in one of my classes once it was you and five other fairly new athletes and they were like David's making a lot of noise. I'm like, yes, you guys, that's how you try hard. Take yeah. notes. <laughs> that's what it needs to look like. So, yeah. and I am honestly not sure how it's even, I don't even think you can give a full effort without making some noise. I tell yeah. people that all the time, every heavy day, like you gotta, you gotta make noise if you're not yelling. And there's a reason power athletes grunt because it helps recruit your core muscles and it helps you feel more aggressive and it helps that neural drive, all that kind of stuff. So you have to bring a mental state yeah. to a heavy day that is above and beyond what your brain probably understands when you first get acquainted with strength training. Yeah. And I don't do that that often. One day a week for sure, usually yeah. a squat day. Yeah. Sometimes two. So it doesn't mean you have to act like a crazy caged animal every single day you show up at the gym. Sure. But one day a week for sure. Yeah. Maybe two. And if you have a certain movement or a certain thing that like you want to get really better at, like that, that's your day. That's your day. You know, yeah. Your day. I think the other thing to consider as well is you need to be using a heavy enough weight that there's a chance you're not going to get it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you're, you're, there's a little bit of like doubt in your mind where you're just like, this is heavy. Yeah. This is crazy. And you have to like go through that mental gymnastics to convince yourself that you can do it. Mm -hmm. Even though it's heavy, I'm still going to do it, you know? And yeah. that's the battle where it's, if you don't have to mentally convince yourself that you can do it, you're just going to do it because it's not that hard. But if it's, oh shit, like this is fucking this is 300 pounds, oh my God. Yeah. And you have to like get yourself amped up. That's what's going to change that or that's what's going to help you adapt and get stronger, you mm -hmm. know? Pushing those heavy ass weights to an uncomfortable level. Yeah, and keep in mind, we preface this with saying, you have to have good mechanics sure. in the first place. 
And so the thing about functional movements, the, the big major lifts that we do, squat, press, deadlift, that kind of stuff, these movements are safe post one rep max. Yeah. If I go to pull a heavy deadlift, assuming I have good technique, and I can't for the fucking life of me get that bar to move, what happens? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing happens. It just doesn't move. If you wanted me to one rep max my preacher bicep curl and I was like, all right, hand me 225. We're going to do this. Like, what's going to happen? You're going to sever your bicep. My fucking elbows are going to explode <laughs> out of my arms, right? There's yeah. post one rep max. Non-functional movements are not safe. Functional movements are safe. Yeah. They're safe, effective movements. As long as you stay in a good, good position, you're, yeah. you're safe. But you earn the intensity of testing heavy reps and one rep maxes with good technique in the yeah. first place. So I can't stress that enough yeah. <laughs> that you have to have good technique. But then once you do, and the good technique for those movements is fairly basic, especially squat, press, deadlift. Those are very basic movements. Yeah, for sure. You know, we, we're going to talk about skill-based movements in a second, but, yeah. you know, you don't have to feel like, I have to work on my technique for my strict press for three and a half years. Mm. Nope. Squeeze your butt, yeah. tighten up your belly, and just Push. go for it. <laughs> press, you know. And because there are certain movements that are like a strict handstand push-up, like that really is just a strength movement. Yeah. When we talk about intensity, remember, it's like low distance time, right? Mm. You can't really adjust the weight of being on your hand. Your body weight is your body weight. You can yeah. get lighter by eating better and getting, you know, leaner. Yeah. You can't really adjust the time, right? Like it only takes a second or two to do a, a handstand push-up. Mm -hmm. The only other variable there is distance, range of motion. But honestly, you can't adjust that either because your handstand push-up is already a partial range of motion, right? Mm -hmm. It's like doing a strict press and stopping at your head, mm -hmm. right? You're already cutting the, the movement in half. If you're just using like an ab mat or two, you're just building a weak spot in the deepest part of the movement, which mm -hmm. is the hardest part. That's where you need to get the strongest. So yeah. unfortunately, you can't work on those movements just by trying to do more hands, strict handstand push-ups. If, you, if you've got zero strict handstand push-ups, the answer isn't just try to do handstand push-ups. <laughs> sure, you can do some controlled negatives and stuff, but like, strict pressing, you know, all those like overhead movements are going to make your shoulder stronger and that's mm -hmm. going to help you get better at that type of move. Yeah. I would say, and you can tell me what you think on the men's side, average size female athlete should be able to strict press a barbell over a hundred pounds. If you think you stand a chance of doing a strict handstand pushup. Yeah. Obviously there's a little variability in body weight, you know, like an average size female CrossFit athlete. I think minimum you need to be strict pressing 100 pounds. Yeah. What do you think it would be for the guys? What I think would you 135 probably 135 yeah. 145 something like that. Yeah. So it's not body weight because it is a reduced range of motion. If you can do a a body weight strict press, that's very good. Yeah. Like very few people in our gym can do that. I I think the most I've ever strict pressed is 160, and that was like a unicorn day. Uh -huh. I haven't done it since, yeah. and I weigh about a, about 175. And, but I can do 10 or more strict handstand pushups in a row. So it's yeah. not a body weight thing. It's more of a just, you know, you got to be kind of close. Yeah. Got to be like maybe 75% type thing. Yeah. It's it's not a, a direct linear relationship, I don't think, because no. I'm not a great strict presser, but I can do yeah. an unlimited number of handstand pushups for, for some days. reason. For days. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, that's just I, a good like, move. I would say Jimmy is also, he's... Probably one of the only guys I know for sure that has done a, a body weight strict press. He's a very strong presser. Yeah. And he can do hand, strict handstand pushups for days for as well. Days, so yeah. yeah, it's one of those movements where some people are just like freakishly good at it and some people just aren't. You yeah. Know? Some people, they just got these crazy long 
arms and it's just it's so much pushing. It's just so hard to do. Yeah. You know? And there's always going to be movements that favor a certain For body sure. type in CrossFit. I'm never going to be a spectacular rower. Yeah. I'm just not tall enough. You know, I can hold my own, I guess, but I'll never be top of the heap on that. Yeah. But little sh- small limb movements, handstand pushups and pistols and all that shit I can be fine at. Yeah. I will say on this, on the handstand pushup thing specifically, and it probably applies to some other movements, you need to practice in closer to the standard. Yeah. And don't always go super wide and really far from the wall and just eat, 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 with yeah. your elbows. Like, I think the standard this year even for people that thought they had good strict handstand push-ups, was really difficult. So the tape was 30 inches. You had mm-hmm. to have at least a thumb on it. And it was only 10 inches from the wall. So if you have really poor overhead mobility and you are used to having a big bow in your body and like arcing a whole bunch or being really far away, guess what? That yeah. weakness got exposed, <laughs> right? Sure. So maybe the weakness is my positioning on my handstand push-ups needs work. I need to bring my hands in. I need to get closer to the wall. I need to have better overhead mobility. So yeah. there can be some subtleties within those movements too in the standard and the handstand push-up thing has changed oh. every year so you need to be ready for a lot of different versions of that standard i was gonna say if we've learned anything from the open over the last decade it's that handstand push-ups are gonna fuck some people up <laughs> because so many people have a different idea as to what's an appropriate standard for a handstand push-up that like yeah. there's no perfect system that's gonna work for everybody yeah but you just gotta train it all you know you gotta yeah. train narrow you gotta train wide you gotta train Mm-hmm. With your feet doing a certain thing on the wall and, you know, it's just mix it up. Yeah. And I do respect that Boz, there's a podcast with him debriefing the open workouts. And he did say that making them strict was on purpose to reduce the number of people dropping and smashing on their head For and sure. their neck. So yep. I think that's great. And I, I, a couple years ago, I have not done a kipping handstand pushup in a couple years. Yeah. I just do all strict handstand pushups. I think my neck has reached its lifetime maximum yeah. limit of the number of times I can drop on my head. And it's great because guess what? Now there's no number of strict handstand pushups that will come up in a workout where I'm ever going to hit failure. So yeah. in making a smart choice, making a good choice, it also developed a strength for me. So I remember that one open workout that was power cleans and handstand pushups and kipping was allowed. And like my neck Such was high volume. wrecked after yeah. that workout because you you got it was long enough and it was just a couplet. So you were back mm-hmm. on that wall over and over and over again, and it was so much volume that it got to the point where everybody's shoulders were just at absolute failure, and you could kip yourself out of the bottom to get your rep, but then you would collapse back down onto the floor, and it was just like neck abuse over and over and over bad again. News. Yeah, that was bad news. That was quite a while ago. Smarter programming. Yeah. No. Okay, so we've got our raw strength. In that we need to approach with a mental intensity to push the limits, to really push the limits more than you think. That the neural drive that drives the physiological adaptation starts in the brain. It starts in your mental space. Yeah. Then we have some skills. So these are of the 10 physiological adaptations. Strength, cardio, stamina, and flexibility are the ones that happen in the body. Measurable changes we could see under a microscope. They happen through training. Then there's... Accuracy, agility, coordination, and balance. Those happen through training or practice, pardon me. And those are neurological adaptations. They happen in the brain. There's nothing in the body we can measure to say you got, you have better balance now. And then in the middle is speed and power. Speed and power are the essence of fitness because they require both the physiological and the neurological adaptations. And they come through both training and practice. Right. And so those are things, the speed and power movements like squat snatches, ring muscle ups, Things like that that require 
obviously a lot of accuracy, coordination, agility, and balance, yep. but also a base of strength, <laughs> right? You have to, you're not going to do a muscle up if you don't have the raw strength to do a chest bar pull up and a ring dip. Yeah. You're not going to snatch 185 or 125 if you are not strong enough to deadlift it and overhead squat it. Yeah. But what connects a pull up to a dip and what connects a deadlift into an overhead squat is the technique. Right. The accuracy, agility, coordination, and balance, right? There's plenty of people out there that have dips and have strict pull ups, don't have don't muscle, muscle ups, up. right? There's plenty of people that can overhead squat and they can like, snatch deadlift but they cannot squat snatch you yeah. know there's just something about those movements you just have there you have to be fast you have to be like explosive you have to be in a good position you know it's just everything all in one so assuming you've already done what we talked about in building the raw strength you need as the prerequisite for those yeah. movements now we're talking about building the neurological adaptations the right. practice things that need to happen in the brain and that there's another level of mental engagement that you need to bring to your skill work yeah. but it's it's a different, it's not a caged animal type of no. intensity like we were talking about, but it's a, it's a mental intensity in being super duper engaged in firing the right neurons at the right time, right. no matter what, no matter if it's a PVC rep, an empty bar rep, the heaviest rep, it does not matter, but you need to be giving your full mental effort to moving exactly how you need to move. Yeah. I love the videos, the weightlifting videos, where it shows the person going from an empty bar to a 400-pound snatch or whatever, yeah. and every weight in between, and they all look identical. Mm -hmm. It's literally like a flip book. You know? it's, it's just the same movement over and over and over again. So as much as you know, CrossFit takes a lot of criticism for this, I have to agree, we tend to rush things. You know, We tend to want to just be like, I wonder how much I can put up over my head, and we yeah. just go for it, right? And you your empty bar looks great and then your 135 looks pretty good. And then by the time you get to 185, it's this like heaving, you know, starfish, lean back, press out, like mm -hmm. train wreck of a movement, right? Which is like, how far is that going to get you, right? Yeah. So the answer is not, again, just keep trying to do one rep max snatches. The answer is like building up the movement, right? refining your skill, refining your your ability to move well mm -hmm. with a super lightweight. Yeah. And so say that happened in the open, <laughs> for example, Ian McLean. <laughs> Love you, buddy. But some not ideal snatches happened sure. at the end of 23.3. Yeah. Is he going to continue to snatch 185 with that technique all year? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It yeah. happened. It came out under a high stress situation on game day. And, you know, he did a few reps that you're like, oh, not that's not how I would like them to go, but they yeah. happened. But that's not what he's, that's not how he's going to move the rest of the year while he's sure. practicing the technique for those things, right? Yeah. It's so. kind of like a one rep max deadlift, right? Like when, when they're in a powerlifting meet and they are doing like, you know, these thousand pound deadlifts, it's like mm -hmm. they're not perfect form by any means, yeah. but they have built up enough of a base of like tolerance that even when things go a little bit wrong, they're not going to wreck themselves and mm -hmm. derail their training for the next six months. They're able to like really pack push the maximum effort and still train mm -hmm. the next day or a week later or whatever. Yeah. So just because, and you see that at the CrossFit games too, right? Like sure. A couple of years ago, they did a CrossFit total and you saw Tia Claire Toomey max out a back squat literally with her knees touching. Yeah. I guarantee you that is not what her back squats look like the rest of the year. She yeah. doesn't train like that. So testing and training again, two yeah. different things. Totally. So the training, the mental engagement side, the neurological adaptations that you need. Every time you fire neurons, they, the, it's an electrical signal and it's an electrical signal in a big watery meat bag, right? And so electricity doesn't travel that well through water. 
So those neurons have to get myelinated. So they get covered in a fatty tissue called myelin. It helps those electrical impulses go faster. And so the more you fire a particular set of neurons, the stronger that connection gets and the better they fire in the future. So you need to be careful what movement patterns get excessively myelinated. Right. So if you move like shit with a PVC pipe and an empty barbell, guaranteed you're not going to move well with a heavy weight, right? Yeah. You're not all of a sudden going to switch and use a different, better technique yeah. when, it, when it's game time, you know? So every rep <laughs> needs to have your full mental effort because you're teaching your brain what motor patterns you want to remember. And myelin, other than in like advanced aging or certain diseases like multiple sclerosis, never goes away. Mm -hmm. So if you develop a bad motor pattern, it's there forever. You can develop other motor patterns that go around it and you can strengthen, you know, neuronal connections around it. But that motor pattern is always there. And you see that happen a lot, right? As people can have good technique, but then they get tired, they get fatigued and the old shit comes back out. Totally. Like, Dang it. Yeah. <laughs> right. So the best thing you can do is learn the very best technique right from the start and not let yourself have bad patterns built at all ever. So when they talk about practice makes permanence, like that's what they're talking about. Yeah. Myelinating your Literally, neurons. Yeah. So let's say you're doing a, a snatch session and mm -hmm. you're like super excited because you, you really want to push the weight and get stronger and stuff. If you're hitting 95 pounds and it's all over the place, you don't add weight. No. You're like, okay, staying at 95. And yeah. you like, you refine the movement. You practice the movement so that as you, you know, get more consistent with it, you can start to go heavier. Generally, the way we try to do our programming is we leave it very open when it comes to weights and stuff. Because if I program, you know, 65, 70, 75, 80, 85%, and someone is a train rack over in the corner trying to hit 65%, they don't need to move up to 70%. So you generally try to do it where it's if you're having a good day and it's feeling great, you're going to add weight. And if not, you're going to keep it light and you're going to focus on moving better and trying to improve. Sometimes the percentages can be of your one rep max. Yep. Sometimes they can be of your current one rep max, which is maybe different. And sometimes they might be of today's max effort. Sure. So this might be a six out of 10 for today, Yeah. which is actually 30% of your one rep max or for whatever reason, maybe you've been drinking, maybe you're tired, maybe you've been sick, you know, for whatever reason, you're just not firing on all cylinders today. And you're like, I'm going to work up to a six out of 10 perceived exertion for today, Yeah. you know, so that those percentages can have some interpretation, Yeah. I guess. But if you dial back the weight, that's great, but that doesn't mean you get to mentally check out of what you're doing and just sure. do it shitty because it's light. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, yes, treat yourself to an empty barbell or a light day so that the technique can be absolutely textbook, impeccable, perfect. That's yeah. the goal. And I'll, I'll tell you guys a story. I've, I've told a few people this. So since I started working on the CrossFit seminar staff about oh, three years ago, almost four years ago, I demonstrate movements on a box during a lecture teaching a room of people what movement should look like. So the demonstrations have to be impeccable. And it's with a PVC. So I've been working on my demonstrations. One of the major things you have to show really, really, really clearly is hip extension in things like a push jerk or a push press or a med belt clean. And so I've done hundreds, thousands of PVC push jerks with the most intense level of hip and knee extension in the last few years. Mm -hmm. Hadn't really tested a heavy push jerk in a long time. Just hadn't come up in the rotation or maybe I missed it or something. And then not that long ago, two or three months ago, I did a one rep max push jerk. It was in the programming at some point, maybe just before Christmas. And I PR'd my push jerk. 
heavier than I ever lifted, even when I was training for Olympic weightlifting. Yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> it's because I spent three years hammering the absolute most impeccable technique with a PVC. Yeah. I hadn't done a heavy push jerk. I hadn't tested a one rep max. But when I needed to under the heavy load and all of a sudden I was like, holy shit, that bar just flew up there like nothing. I was like, oh. yeah. So, you know, you have to put and that it takes your full mental effort into every rep, even if it has zero load. Yeah. So that your motor patterns know what to do. So learn to move well, engage mm -hmm. in the process of improving your movements and yep. then do it consistently. Put all the pieces together. Same thing with a muscle up. Yeah. If you don't have a muscle up or you have crappy muscle ups, they're not going to get better by you just getting up there and flailing and doing more crappy muscle ups yeah. or missing, or missing. Yeah. missing muscle ups even worse. I Refine the skill and the low rings. You do the transitions, you do the work, you yeah. get the motor patterns working and then you increase the intensity up there. And same as a squat snatch makes an excellent example because it's the most athletic movement there is sure. of any sport requiring all 10 physiological adaptations. And especially when I was very into weightlifting and I have a lot of respect for the sport and the precision and accuracy that goes into it. And you would see people miss a weight seven times in a row and yeah. then miraculously hit it on the eighth one and be like, I PR'd my snatch. You're like, no, you didn't. You just trained yourself to miss seven out of eight times. That's mm -hmm. what you trained. You trained motor patterns that miss snatches. Yeah. So just because you happen to make it one time, don't be celebrating that if you were just miss, 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 miss. My personal limit on any given day whether it's a strength day or in a wad or anything, no more than three misses. Yeah. If I've missed three, even not back to back, but in rounds or anything, it's game over for that weight yeah. or that movement for that day. I think we're all guilty of that. It's a, it's an ego thing for sure. We're like, oh, I was almost there. I can get it. And we're all guilty of adding weight, even though that last one didn't feel good. I've even heard people say when I'm like, you know, giving them some feedback on a lighter one. We're like, well, I just need to get some weight on the bar. It's, oh, that is the stupidest excuse ever. <laughs> you should be you should be able to move better or the same with yeah. a light bar than you can a, a heavy bar. But anyways, we're all guilty of adding weight when we shouldn't, myself included. We're all guilty of doing oh, just one more attempt, just one more attempt, just one more attempt. If anything, you should give yourself two or three misses and then be like, okay, hey, that's it. That's not going to happen today. Dial the weight back, hit two or three more good solid rep. So at least you're like remyelinating and like building that movement pattern back up again. Cause you just missed three times in a row. You don't want to leave your session on that. Yeah. Right. I hate leaving on a miss. And then the other thing is, let's say you take seven or eight attempts and you finally hit 200 pounds or whatever, for an example. Now in the back of your mind, you're like, well, my one rep max is 200 pounds. I'm going to use that for my percentages moving mm -hmm. forward. So no, probably dude, not. Like, yeah. you're probably not ready to be using 200 pounds as your one rep max because you hit it one time out of eight, you know, yeah. that is it's not your, lift. your, your working weight, you know? Mm -hmm. So you have to be smart in, in making these decisions and just focus on moving well, mm -hmm. you know, play the long game. Yeah. And I'm, I'm good at, and I'm not trying to be braggadocious or anything. I'm just, I'm good at squat snatches. I, and I think part of why I'm good at that skill, and I've attributed this, I've said to people lots, I've demonstrated that movement in the course of coaching with a PVC or an empty barbell mm -hmm. thousands of times, hundreds yeah. of thousands of times. And every time I'm coaching and I have an empty bar in my hand and I'm demoing a snatch or take your pick of any of the other movements, cleans or jerks or whatever, I'm still bringing my full mental effort to moving with the exact precise technique I want to yeah. have, even though. I might have demoed it five other times that day and I've done. But, you know, in the course of just the career of coaching, 
how many reps I've done with a PVC and an empty sure. barbell. I think that contributes to my technique a ton. Yeah. I that's not those reps are no joke. They're part of the adaptation. And it's a funny thing because yes, you are very good at squat snatching to the point where we went to the Stu McGill back health summit and he pulled you up on stage and in front of everybody had you like snatching and stuff. So every and so everybody could be wowed with like how good the human should be able to move. But I think what's funny is that because you're in the spotlight often with that movement, you have to get that like level of focus, you know, because you're demonstrating in front of people. People are yeah. watching you do it. And I think that people that know they struggle with that movement will just kind of hide in the back of the class and just sort of like, you know, do their own little thing in the corner. And it's, don't be embarrassed. Like we all have to get better at moving. And mm -hmm. the best way to do that is be like, all right, like front and center coach, watch me. Yeah. What do I need to do? Yeah. And just, you know, be humble enough to put the work in. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, you want to watch me be terrible at things? Watch me do a ring muscle. Up. I'm just, you know, like <laughs> everybody has their, everybody thing. has their thing. Yeah. Right. And there's reps where you're like, Oh God, sauce. That's a, he's a hot garbage. You know, so. you want some hot sauce with those chicken wings? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that especially these skill-based dynamic movements, like everybody has mm -hmm. one or more that they're, they're yeah. struggling with because they are very difficult movements. Yeah. You know, so. I would say to get better at your skills, besides the base of strength that you need on the neurological adaptation side, you need a level, 110% level of mental engagement. Mm-hmm to practicing nothing but good technique sure. with those movements. Definitely. Sure. And then the last big category, so we have just, you need to get stronger. You need higher level skills, the speed and power skills. And then you just, some people are like, fuck, I just need to be fitter. Yeah. <laughs> I just need better conditioning Yeah, is what we call that. Generally, people will just call that cardio, like your lungs. You just need to sure. be capable of making more energy with less oxygen and breathing yeah. and working. I've had many a open, like I'm pretty good at muscle ups. I've had many a open where I get to the muscle ups and it's just blowing. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it's just, I fucked myself up getting to the muscle ups and then yeah. I just got nothing left. And I can't even make use of my strength because I'm just like wrecked from the thrusters or whatever, just super tired. Yeah. I mean, that was, I did redo 23.3. I'll admit I don't often redo open workouts. I haven't in years, but that one drove me crazy because that was exactly me. I'm good mm. at squat snatches and I missed Four out of six squat mm -hmm. snatches at 125. I never miss a snatch at 125. I was so mad about it. Yeah. I can hit that weight in my sleep, but That's my conditioning is not great. Yeah. And the programming was awesome. And it gave me some pre-fatigue. And all of a sudden, those little yeah. neurons firing. And so then I did end up redoing it. And I nailed. I only missed one in my redo. Yeah. I was like, hey, Jocelyn, get it together. But yes, it happens, right? So, so the mental side of conditioning. It's basically like embracing discomfort, yeah. right? Embrace the suck. Mm -hmm. And that is a difficult thing to do. Yeah. So. Is it ever? We've, we've all been there, right? You're like doing wall balls and you've got 50 to do and you're on number 10 and already your legs are burning, your lungs are huffing and you're just like, I could, I could put this ball down right now, mm -hmm. right? And it's like, you need to kind of trick yourself into keeping that ball moving you know there need there needs to be some sort of level of mental like fortitude where you're just like i'm just gonna go until i can't anymore i'm just gonna go until i'm super uncomfortable it's a tough thing to do yeah you have to have a, a mental commitment to discomfort and discomfort is a polite way of saying mm -hmm. like the pain cave of your lungs are burning and you feel like you're dying and you're convinced you're gonna puke and yeah. you just have to be able to, to live in that space and tolerate it yeah and 
not panic. I am not a person that's ever going to be a meditator. I've just made peace with that. I acknowledge that it's probably great and there's lots of good evidence to support its efficacy and all that kind of stuff. It's just not for me. Yeah. But I consider really intense conditioning training to be my version of meditating. I would say it's meditating for type A people because I think it gets you to the same as as much as it's the complete opposite. It gets you to the same mental state because when you're giving your full level of commitment and focus, you can't be thinking about anything else. You have to clear your mind. You have to stay calm within because you freaking out and panicking internally only makes things worse and it overall doesn't improve your ability to do the work. Mm -hmm. So you are having to just focus on your breathing and you are having to clear your mind and you are having to stay calm, blue ocean (laughs) in your head at the same time that your heart rate is 110% of your, you know, age produces maximum or whatever while you feel like you're dying. So I think that there's a, a strange place of peace in your head when you're willing to tolerate maximum discomfort. Yeah. And strangely enough, like I have done some meditation in the past, exploring different ways to like deal with my mental stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because when it's new, the most difficult thing is like clearing your mind, right? The goal of meditation is just to stop thinking and just clear your head and just be. And your brain is just constantly being distracted. Mm -hmm. You hear a noise, you have a thought, you like remember somebody's face or whatever, and you're constantly being pulled away. And they tell you that in your practice, you just pull it back. Be like, nope, you don't need to think about that right now. Nope, bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. And what's funny is when you're working out at intensity, your brain is constantly being like, we should rest. You need some water. Get some chalk on your hands. (laughs) And you don't need to do any of those things. And you just need to be like, pull it back. No, I don't. I don't need any water. I'm good. I'm going to keep going. I'm fine. It's the same sort of battle where it's just like, you just got to stay with it and just push. Yeah. It's an interesting comparison because they are very different yeah. but very similar for sure and again with the you know you have to push a, a level of borderline failure in order to stimulate physiological adaptation so if we're looking at conditioning what people think is the way to get better at that stuff is the opposite of what you actually need to do mm-hmm. people think i'm going to do more cardio i'm going to run more i'm going to go run five or ten k or i'm going to do a 60 minute cardio imam uh-uh yeah that's not going to make you have better you know, CrossFit style conditioning at all. If anything, it's just adding more oxidative stress to your life. It's not helping at all. So you don't, I think it's a big trap. This is a novice trap. The novice trap in CrossFit is thinking that more is more. Yeah. That doing more stuff is going to make you fitter. It's a strange thing that often will get the question of, I want to get better at fill in the blank. What else should I be doing? Mm Mm-hmm. And the answer is never anything else. It's show up to the classes and try hard. Yeah. You know, it's, there's no, uh, sometimes people have this weird perception that there must be some other program or other thing or other skill work or something like, no, do what we're doing in the classes, but show up ready to be really, really, really uncomfortable. Yeah. So if it's a salt bike day or echo bike, I guess I should say we don't have a salt bike. Day. Yeah. Echo bike day or max burpee day, or we did one the other day with empty barbell thrusters and you're like, all right, we're going full send yeah. today. In the course of the week, I post on Sundays. You can see what the workouts are. You should be thinking, A, I'm getting to the gym four to five days a week. So you're going to pick one day. We're going heavy, full mental effort to push maximum neural drive, heavy mm-hmm. stuff. You're going to pick another day where you're going to go full cardio, like lungs taste like old pennies, <laughs> you know, hacking up 
get the Fran lung after you're going to go full conditioning discomfort day. Yeah. Then you can pick another day where you're like, oh, I'm going to dial back the intensity and I'm just I'm going to do like a skill kind of day. Yeah. I'm going to take, you know, the speed and load maybe out of it and treat myself to a skill day. You know, so you can you need to have a different sort of mental approach. It doesn't mean you come in and go full caged animal every single day. That's not the path necessarily. Yeah. You don't have to taste old pennies every single day. You don't have to max out your lift every single day. Yeah. But you need it. That's part of the variety of CrossFit is you need to do some of it at least some point in the week. Yeah. And it goes back to that <clears throat> same thing with the mental or with the skill work. In the aerobic capacity course, they talk about avoiding training your comfortable pace, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they were using Camille. They were trying to help her with her rowing. And they wouldn't allow, she, she wanted to be able to row at a 155, 500 or something like that. And so the second she got slower than 155, they would have her stop and yeah. have her rest and wait. And then when she could maintain that pace again, she would start again. Mm -hmm. And you, and when she first started, it was like 10, 20% of the time, you know, she yeah. was able to maintain that pace, but like slowly over time, it got more and more consistent to the point where that was just her new rowing pace. So yeah. if you're just trying to do more, but you're maintaining your slow and, you know, inefficient pace, it's not going to make you any better. It's just going to increase your oxidative stress. You're going to be overtrained. Your, your recovery is going to be worse. You're going to feel more beat up and broken down, which will also make it so you can't apply intensity anymore. Mm -hmm. And then you're not getting better at anything. Yeah. So more isn't more. You don't need more of a workout. You just need to try harder on the workout, mm -hmm. you know? And like you said, be strategic, right? Not every day is a crush yourself day, especially master's athletes and, mm -hmm. and people that have shift work or full-time job and kids and stuff. You got to be smart with your training, but pick the thing that you're going to apply intensity on and mm -hmm. go ham on it. You know, if we're talking about the speed side of intensity, there are, you know, we said mechanics, consistency, intensity. So you got to earn intensity. But there are movements that pretty much right from when you start CrossFit, you can apply as much intensity to as you are capable of like echo bike, rowing, yeah. burpees. You, you know, there's no technique on those things, really. You just have to get uncomfortable and you get as uncomfortable as you can from the start. Mm -hmm. uh, and then other things where you're like, oh, okay, like then a thruster. It's like a little bit more technical. You got to have a good squat and a good press and then a wall ball. And then, you know, maybe some butterfly pull-ups start to be an intense movement for you. It's like you, you start to be able to apply that level of intensity to more and more and more movements as your technique gets better, sure. as you have better mechanics. But for sure, you're going to take those opportunities when they come on bike sprint days and burpee days and that kind of running days when the yeah. snow melts and all that kind of stuff. I think it's Adrian Conway, this one of our favorite quotes that you don't need a harder workout. You need to try harder on the workout. Yeah. And that's a really difficult concept for people, the average normie crossfitter to wrap their head around. Yeah. I think that just like we're all guilty of adding weight when we shouldn't, the other thing that we're all guilty of as like veteran crossfitters is too much gaming and strategizing, mm -hmm. right? So let's say you're like, okay, today's my day where I crush it. Today's my like go ham day. I'm going to like focus on conditioning. I'm going to get uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And then you start thinking, okay, like how do I need to break this up to get the fastest possible time? And that's probably the worst strategy to work on your conditioning, right? Because if you just like strategically chip away and do drop singles and like comfortably get through your first two rounds, so you can push faster on your third round and then finish mm -hmm. strong on the fifth. It's like, great you strategize your way out of intensity yeah you know that's game day shit that's, that's game day. testing yeah. that's what you do when you have to perform on competition day yeah but when you're trying to work on your conditioning 
you need to go to that dark place early and then ride the struggle bus for the rest <laughs> of the workout. I will, I'll always use G as an example of this because he was so good at being real bad at strategizing. And he was, <laughs> and he was so, so fit because of it, because he would just come out hot and yeah. just blow up halfway through and look like he was dying for the rest of the day. But he was so fit because of it. He yeah. just had no, no hesitation. No governor. It was just he was great. Fifth great gear dude. only. Yeah. It was great. And so I that, think good days to blow up are like maybe an AMRAP. Sure. AMRAP days are a good day to just try something harder, maybe do something dumb. You're yep. like, I'm going to do the first round unbroken. Yep. And you know that's dumb and you're going to blow up, but whatever, right? Those, it's over in seven minutes or whatever. how you're going to get yeah. better. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, you're right. Same with like skill work and stuff as well, or like trying things that you don't necessarily try. Like we always say that AMRAPs are the better time to, to do that than the five round for time because, you know, you don't want to get time capped. 30 minutes into this 20 minute workout, you know, yeah. it's like AMRAPs are the best days to really push it. Yeah. You're like, okay, I don't normally power clean that weight. I can with good technique. It's just hard and I'm slower. Yeah. Then the AMRAP days are where you're like going to try it, take it for a spin. Even if you get three rounds and everybody else gets five, as long as, like we said, big asterisks, assuming the mechanics are in place, it's yeah. just hard for you that that's okay once in a while. But you also can't go heavy and go slow all the time or you'll never yeah. <laughs> get faster. Right? And generally, I will say as a coach, generally the way we try to run our classes is we'll tell people ahead of time, the intended stimulus today is this, you know, mm -hmm. like what we're trying to achieve is this. And if you know in the back of your mind, this really needs to be one of those days where I like work on my conditioning yeah. or this needs to be one of those days where I pull back and I work on my skill work or whatever, talk to the coach about it and say, Hey, like I'm thinking about using this as one of my days to do this. This is my sort of goal. And they'll probably be like, great, you know, we won't worry about the intended stimulus today. We're going to let you do the the thing mm -hmm. that you need to do to get better. And they can help guide you on how the best way to do that might be. Yeah. That's individualizing in a group program. Yes. How you can get suitable to you and your specific set of strengths and weaknesses and your goals and what yeah. you're trying to do. That's absolutely recommended in yeah. a group CrossFit kind of training program. Yep. So if we think ahead, like a year from now, if you picture yourself where you'd be in March of 2024, the results of CrossFit are extremely predictable. And I've had this thought swirling around in my head for a bit, and I need to put it into some kind of visual. If you came to CrossFit two days a week, didn't change your diet, had an otherwise like sedentary, maybe desk job and some weird sleep habits, what's what what are you going to be like a year from now? Come to CrossFit two days a week, but don't really change anything else. You'll have some improved work capacity and some new capabilities that you probably didn't have before. I would almost guarantee you'll have no changes in body composition, yep. probably not much difference in your health. So a little bit of positivity, but not a whole lot. If you come to CrossFit six or seven days a week, a lot, you know, and try to do more stuff, but you don't improve your diet, you're still eating flour, sugar, vegetable oil, and alcohol, you're still having an otherwise sedentary lifestyle, and you have poor sleep habits, a year from now, I can almost guarantee you're going to be super banged up or probably injured. Yep. So <laughs> that's that's the how to get injured plan. If you came to CrossFit two days a week, but you had maybe 20 RX lifestyle days in the month, right? Which means no flour, sugar, vegetable, or alcohol. It means going for a walk, being outside for 20 minutes every day and had some proper sleep habits. You're going to make great progress. You're probably going to have some pretty substantial loss of excess body fat for sure just from the nutritional changes yep. mental health is going to be greatly improved just from moving more and being outside 
obvious increase in like strength and work capacity. Probably your doctor's going to notice some things that have improved when you go for your checkup, you know, blood markers, blood pressure, glucose control, all that good stuff that your doctor's going to be happy about. And then if you came to CrossFit four to six days a week and ate real food, no flour, sugar, vegetable or alcohol, 26 to 31 days a month, that means no more than one cheat day a week. And, you know, got yourself moving generally. So 10,000 steps a day, spending time outside, having good sleep habits, which starts with spending time outside early in the day, turning the screens off at night, having a consistent bedtime, making your bedroom cool, all the good things that go into proper sleep. A year from now, if you lived your life that way for the next year, you'll be a completely different person. Yeah. And I can 100% attest to that because I have been a roller coaster CrossFitter for the majority <laughs> of my career. I go through phases where I'll work out for three or four months and then I won't for three or four months <laughs> and then I will and then I won't. My diet's been up and up and down for years. And this, I don't know, it's hard to keep track of time because time flies by. But I feel like over the last year or two is I finally realized that like, I need to be more consistent with everything. Mm -hmm. And so I've really tried to dial in the nutrition. I eat better now than I ever have in my whole life. I've trained more consistently now than I ever have in my whole life. I've stayed relatively injury-free, no real catastrophic problems or anything like that, other than my stupid snowboarding thing. <laughs> as long as you stay out of the train park, <laughs> which you don't. Which but. I don't. But, and honestly... I'm a completely different person. Yeah. Like I look better now at 44 than I've ever looked in my whole life. I just PR'd my deadlift recently. I'm pretty much at my like all-time high back squats, even though I'm 20 pounds lighter now than I was when I when I previously hit that that number. Like mm -hmm. everything is happening and I'm 44 years old. Yeah. You know? So the whole thought. Like, oh, well, you know, it's just try to maintain and just try to like, you know, starve off old age or whatever. It's no, like you can make significant improvements in a year or two, even in middle age. Like oh, I'm yeah. middle age. Gotta. Yeah. I'm not middle age yet. I'm still young. Even if you're healthy, four, you're going to live like a hundred. I know. You God. better not die early. But you can, you can absolutely make a, an amazing change. But like you said, you have to be smart, you know? There's more to it than just working out, like just showing up at the gym and going through the paces. And mm -hmm. you need to actually put some effort in. You need to get the diet dialed mm -hmm. and you need to sleep. Yeah. That's just all there is to it, Yeah, you know? And you know what? It would help if you hung out with some cool people in sure. the process, some good social connections, yeah. you know? Get the mental health side of things. Because guess what? All three things that we talked about, the mental side of training for strength, the mental side of skill, the mental engagement needed for skill development, the mental side of suffering and discomfort. You need to be in a healthy mental health state yeah. to be able to have that available to you. If your mental health is very tapped and very low, you will have a difficult time bringing the, the proper mental engagement that you need to your training. Yeah, absolutely. Can't pour from an empty cup. Yeah. And honestly, we're going to do a, a podcast in the next little while leading up to like mental health month because that was one of the big catalysts that started my whole journey was there. We had a lot of pretty major stuff happen in our lives. And, you know, I got to the point where I was like, okay, like I need to do something about this before it gets any worse. And yeah. it was, it was that sort of jumping off point that sort of like, it was, like I said, it was the catalyst that started it all. And now a few years later, it's, it's shocking, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's shocking to look back and be like, 
and not, and it's hard not to get hung up on the, if I was just doing this the whole time, that would <laughs> have been it, so much better. I'd have to dick around for so long. Damn it, 37-year-old David. Why don't you get your shit Damn it, beer. Why you got to taste so good? <laughs> so I think if we're thinking ahead a year from now, you're pre-ordering yourself. Yeah. I'm pre-ordering March 2024, Jocelyn. What am I ordering? Am I ordering a mediocre or worse version of me right now? Am I ordering the same version of me or am I ordering a vastly improved version of me a year from now? Yeah. And if I, if you would like to order a new and improved version of yourself, it will arrive in, you know, please allow 12 months for delivery yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. You know exactly what you got to do. There's no mystery here. Stay out of the train park a month before the open. <laughs> <laughs> don't try to hit rails with your 12-year-old. <laughs> or if you do, don't crash. Yeah, at least. Frick, of course. So yeah, if you show up four to six days a week, you bring your full mental game to all aspects of your training. You attack your weaknesses in the way with that savage mindset that you need to. You dial in the diet. You lay off the booze. You get yourself to bed consistently. That's yeah. that's the magic. That's the fountain of youth. That's the magic sauce right there. It can all be summed up with one of our guiding principles. Make good choices. Yeah. You know, that's all you got to do. It's yeah. it's not as hard as you think. And I'm going to leave it with this one thought. We unfortunately had to go to Walmart today. <laughs> as we were, not allowed to go to Walmart. I'm not allowed to. It makes me too angry. As we were leaving Walmart, I looked up and I saw this big banner and it said, the McChicken Big Mac. So they're <laughs> making a Big Mac version McChicken. There's two McChicken patties, Big Mac style. And in my brain, I was like, A, I can't believe they just thought of this now. <laughs> they should have been doing this the whole time. B, that would probably be fucking amazing. C, I'm not going to eat it. not going to eat it. I don't need to. You yeah. it, Just because it's out there doesn't mean you need to do that kind of exists. stuff. Make good choices. And principle number three, leave no doubt, right? That yeah. you did everything you could. So totally. when you're looking at 24.1, you're like, I've done everything I can to be in the best shape of my life. I'm yeah. the best version of me for this test, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And with that, principle number one, be excellent to each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> be excellent to each other. Awesome. All right. Thanks See you in the next guys. one.